Welcome to the Profit Powerhouse Podcast, the ultimate resource for business success and growth. I'm your host, Glenn Poulos, and I'm thrilled to be joining you on this exciting journey. Currently, I hold the position of VP and GM of NWS Canada. Additionally, I take pride in being the author of the critically acclaimed book, Never Sit in the Lobby. Throughout this podcast, my mission is crystal clear, to equip you with the strategies and insights you need to not only establish a strong presence in front of your clients, but also to take meaningful action and maintain that position. After all, being a pleasure to do business with is the key to fostering lasting connections in the corporate world. Together, we'll explore the art of not just building a successful and profitable company, but also cultivating a high-performing team that's capable of achieving remarkable results. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or anyone looking to excel in the world of commerce, this podcast is tailored to help you thrive. If you're eager to be part of the conversation, I encourage you to visit my website, navigate to the podcast section where you can sign up and stay updated and participate in the show. Our episodes typically run for a duration of 30 to 40 minutes, ensuring you get a compact yet insightful dose of valuable information. So get ready to unleash your profit powerhouse potential. Join me on this podcast as we delve into the strategies, stories, and secrets that will drive your success. Remember, your journey to becoming an influential person and prosperous business leader starts right now. Greetings and welcome to the Profit Powerhouse Podcast. My name is Glenn Poulos. I'm here to unlock the proven strategies and valuable insights and compelling success stories that drive excellence in the business world. Today, I'm pleased to introduce you to Jacintha Kurniawan. She has an exciting background. She's an MBA, a data analyst, and a world traveler. Jacintha, welcome to the show. Thanks, Glenn, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Great. Um, you know, one of the uh, one of the things that um, uh, that caught my eye after I met you a little while ago was that you know you're an MBA, but you're sort of an international MBA. You've traveled around the world, and can you maybe give us a bit of a background on how you ended up in Canada at this point? I know you've been all over the world, but uh, just a few of the stops along the way, and what made you pick Canada uh, for your MBA? Yeah, of course. So uh, thank you for again for having me here. Yeah. I work in the data analytics team for Canadian Tire in Toronto, but I did my MBA in Vancouver last year. Prior to that, I worked in Australia as a business development manager in a distribution company, and I did my school there too in commerce and psychology, but I lived in Australia and Indonesia, now obviously Vancouver and Toronto. I choose Canada. Like The genuine answer was I wanted a new experience outside of Australia. Um, but something that wasn't too different. And so Canada is quite similar to Australia, actually, not too different. Right. So here I am. Wow, your, your your accent really popped out there for a minute. You said <laughs> Canadian for the last, last part I, it, it comes up sometimes. That's really, yeah, it's funny. The um, uh, So what was your uh, your MBA? Was it a, did you specialize in something? Was it a, a marketing MBA or some other kind of MBA? Or what was the basis of it? Yeah, so it depends on the university you go to. The one that I went was SFU, Simon Fraser University, so you don't have uh, a major. Yeah. So um, there is no specialization. We essentially just learn sort of the management perspective of business from everywhere. So like analytics, marketing, finance, economics, everything, but not nothing is specialized. Right. 
what what is data analytics and the the what you're working on now like what does that mean to the to the regular person how do you analyze data Ooh, what are the tools yeah. you use and stuff like that yeah i mean that's that those are a lot of questions i think i'll start off with what is data analytics it's a perspective of looking at the world with a data 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 first i think that's how i'll start what a data first approach means is when you have a problem, we look at data first and not anywhere else. So for example, like I work in supply chain. I don't think I can really share too many projects That's at fine. the moment. No, no, um, but, general, yeah. yeah, but generally let's say supply chain and we have an issue, let's say with a career. So when the management comes in and say, hey, we've got a problem with a certain career, figure out why. The first thing that we do is we look at historical data. So data analysts, business analysts, we always look at historical data to help answer problems in the present. Now, we can definitely bring in AI, and AI is more future-focused, and then that's a different story. I don't deal with AI. I like talking about AI, as you know, right. as we talked about before, um, but I personally just use sort of like Power BI tools. That's what we use predominantly. We use Microsoft Access for our database or softwares, Microsoft Excel for like really short analysis. But yeah, data analysis is looking at data first when we problem solve. Right. Okay. So clearly it plays a crucial role in decision making, I guess, for, for your, mm -hmm. and especially at Canadian Tire and what have you. So the um, uh, the other thing I wanted to get into as well today is that I understand, well, I not only understand, I was a guest on your podcast, right? So mm -hmm. what what made you start? Well, why don't you tell us about the podcast and then tell us maybe what, what made you start it and, and how it's yeah. going. Of course. And yeah, thank you for joining me in the podcast too. So I'm the host and producer of the Deep Dive Lab. So it's essentially an interview show style podcast where I interview industry leaders and experts, and they come from all different fields. So we have business, tech, um, design, everything, and we explore either the latest innovations or the challenges in the field or the journey of, of that person. The real answer, again, of why I started the podcast earlier this year was genuinely a reason for me to talk to really cool people. Okay. I had a lot of people that I wanted to talk to and I'm like, I can't do another coffee chat. I've had enough coffee chats with this person and I want to dig deeper. And so uh, my brother actually brought up the idea of why don't you just start a podcast? People ask you all the time about the stuff that I learned from my coffee chats anyways. Why don't you sort of scale this instead of just a conversation one-on-one -on -one with my friends? And so I started early Jan with the idea by the end of Jan, I had everything done. I made the logo. Um, I contacted people. And another sort of like product market test fit was I thought to myself, okay, if I reach out to the people that I really want to talk to, and if at least one person says yes, then at least there's something there. I reached out to people. And within that week, I had 12 people came back to me and said, hey, you know, this is really cool. I want to be part of your project. And so from then, basically that I just started. And I think the rule for me was don't strive for perfection, just do it. Yeah. And I think that's often a stumbling block for a lot of people. They always ask me, how did you do it? Like, how did, you know, I had zero experience in podcasting, zero experience in editing. My goal this year, at least, is to take more risks and don't strive for perfection, just do it. And I learn as I go. So that's right. kind of what my story there. 
And so how do you find guests for your podcast now? Do you just mm. you just hunt around or <laughs> how do you do it? So I'm sure there's lots yeah. of people that wanted that are that were in your in your shoes a year ago and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I'd love to have a podcast and mm-hmm. you know, but sort of scared to make that first jump and stuff. So a hundred percent. It's different for everybody. I think find your niche, but for me personally, there it's not about the challenge of talent because there are so many smart people out there. It's not about talent. It's not about knowledge or expertise. To me, it's three things. Passion. The person has to be passionate. Number two, the person also has to have a bit of drive in them. So it's it's quite exciting. But number three, I think is so important. It's curiosity. I personally pride myself in being a curious person. I train myself to be more inquisitive and I love talking to curious minds. And so these three things are kind of what I usually do in my pre-chat. So like with you, I know we did the, I knew you through, through someone else on LinkedIn. Um, But when I had that pre-interview chat, that was where I had a chat with you and you're so passionate. You're, you know, you had the story to tell you, you had this book and so that was kind of my personal filter of, okay, you know what? I want Glenn to be in my show. Right. But it's, you know, for people out there, if you want to start a podcast, I think find your niche and be genuine. Like what, what are you looking for in the podcast? Yeah. yeah. The one thing I noticed um, when you were interviewing me was that how natural and uh, that you do, you know, you're, you were definitely a natural at it and um, you bring up the, con- you. the conversational style is really really good and um yeah it was really really comfortable and enjoyable being on the podcast so so jumping back to data analysis and you said you're not really using ai but like how is ai and machine learning and things like that changing the landscape of data analysis and maybe you know as you progress in your career or maybe in a different department or something how do you see it impacting uh, data analysis and other related or interrelated sort of uh, functions in your role? Mm. I love this question. So I don't personally use AI, like it's not in my description, but right. we use AI every day. So an example for me, like I love simple tools, ChatGPT. I rave about it all the time. And yeah. a lot of people will say, oh, it's it's overrated. No, I think it's absolutely <laughs> adequately rated. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's so helpful in in summarizing information. And I, I will also recommend prompt engineering, yeah. which basically just means how do you prompt um, the chat GPT to produce the value that you want? And yeah. I think this is this is key. Prompt engineering for anybody out there listening. Um I think the way AI will change the world is is everything. So I cannot see any industry that is not going to be impacted by AI. I had a question uh, someone asked me the other day. Do you think AI will replace me? And my answer is, I don't necessarily think AI will replace you, but I think somebody who knows how to use the AI tools will. Right. And this this is important, I think, for everyone to understand. I am a huge advocate for AI, but I also understand the risks and and how quickly AI is growing. And that's why there's this whole field called ethical AI, which is how can you, re- you know develop AI in a responsible and ethical way. I think that in the most mundane version of AI, it will automate a lot of tasks, a lot of repetitive and, and uh, monotonous tasks these will be replaced by AI. Right. And that alone will sa- solve efficiency and effectiveness by 30% on average. 
if we go above that in terms of analysis, like even my job, which is data analysis, a huge chunk of what I do is I try to look for patterns in in a, a crazy amount of data. AI can do this very easily and much quicker and faster than me. If I had, you know, a terrible sleep during the day, I would probably read 3.57 as 3.56, you know, but AI is able to, to very quickly do that at a much faster rate, much more effective. So to me, and that's only my role, imagine um, editors out there, right? Like I edit my podcast on Descript, which is an AI tool. So they convert um, video video formats into words. So you can quite literally edit videos like how you would edit a Word document. And this is changing the world of, of editing, marketing as well. Before we were always so fixated on how can we optimize through SEO. Now, if we have tools like ChatGPT or other marketing tools out there like AI tools, we can figure out how to do all of this much quicker, much more effective. So I think every industry out there will be impacted by AI for sure. So it's just educating ourselves with how can we use AI to provide better value in our work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I use, <laughs> I use chat GPT so much now it's almost, it's almost embarrassed to say, right now I don't use right? cut and paste. I use it as a, I, I use my prompts to prompt chat GPT to prompt me mm -hmm. on how to do it correctly. Right. So so I'll, I'll do things like, you know, um, and I have a lot in my new role that I'm in now, I am taking on all these new staff and new people. And, um, you know, I'm now traveling more to the U.S. There's new cultural things. And, um, and you know, maybe I have to have a difficult discussion with someone. I'll say, hey, I have to have a difficult discussion. I'm the, I'm the VP. You know, I need to have to talk with this director. It's a difficult discussion. You know, how, how can I be, you know, sort of sympathetic to the challenge they were under, but also explain some of the uh, better ways of how they could have handled that problem or whatever. Right. And I can mm. sit there and think for an hour and a half and try to write up a thesis on how to, how to have that chat. But, you know, and I said, you know, give me like 12 talking points. Right. And it'll just spew out the 12 talking points. And I'll say, you know what, like number three, four and six are, that's really what I wanted to say. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and um, you know, and just, and so it's prompting me. Right. So I'm yep. prompting it. Then it prompts me on, and, I mean, I've never just taken it, cut and pasted it into something and hit send because, well, one, I just don't feel it's genuine enough. It feels a little artificial mm -hmm. to me, but also mm -hmm. you have to add your own color and your own, you know, your own style and, and language to it. Right. And um, of course, but, but just the, just the, a lot, your ability to allow you to be uh, like thoughtfully complete about things. Right. Like, you know, you, it might be any subject, you might be able to think of one or two things right away, but you know, it'll help you to think of four or five things that you never, that you wouldn't have thought of, you, you know, in several hours. Right. And there's not enough time in the day to, you know, to dedicate to all these communications. Right. So. A hundred percent. And, and yeah. if I could like share like an, yeah. a, a tip that I, I absolutely love, and I hope this might help you it's for writing. So you're absolutely right in terms of style, right? Like it, it's going to come up with a certain writing and you're like, wait, this isn't my style. So a tip that I really like is if you have maybe three or four writings of, of your own email in your own style, you copy all four, you paste them in ChatGPT and say, describe this style of writing at length. And then it'll give you this, this huge list and then copy and paste it every single time. Yep. 
So you're like, yeah. I'm vice president of this. Da, 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 da. Yeah. This is the style that I want. And then you'll right. be surprised at what will come out. And obviously, like, yes, 100% edit from there. But right. that's just, I, I love that tip. Right. That's cool. So how do you stay up to date on all these trends? Like you have a job and you travel. And how do you stay up to date and on the developments and trends and stuff? And, and uh, you know, stay at the forefront? Mm-hmm. I still feel like I'm not up to date. There's just so much coming out every time. But what I love is news and data aggregators. So I don't really have the time to go on the news, check everything. But there is this new trend in 2023, at least, that's growing huge. It's aggregation of data. So I follow, I don't think I can share their names either, but there's a lot of these AI, um, like I- I'm a follower of AI. So there's like AI newsletters. Um, it's called Neuron AI. So they just summarize all of the information for you. But if there's other fields that you're interested in, like business or tech or design or whatever it is out there, there are lots of these newsletters out there that are available. You take a minute to read. There's one that I like as well, Daily Brew. They just summarize information that's happened that week or that day or the day before. And they segregate them, I think, based on your interests. So like tech, business or whatever. And every day. Just go on your email. It's one minute max. And I, I love that. And I think that's a trend that's growing as well. More and more people are not having enough time to go over all of the latest updates. And there are companies out there with really smart people with really sophisticated tools to aggregate all this information. So I'd recommend everybody to just kind of look at your niche and find the the latest aggregation at at the time. Well, you sound, you sound like you sound pretty busy with uh, all this sort of work and techie stuff and whatever. But um, I know from following you on some of your channels and things like that, you're you definitely seem like you have a good work life balance. So <laughs> how do you manage your work life balance? And do you have any tips and tricks or and how or how do you prioritize that? Mm. Um, you know, and um, you know, and you're you're of the younger generation compared to myself, if I can say it that way. <laughs> So how do you approach your daily, your work and your, your, uh, your um, personal time and stuff like that? Like what's your approach? Mm-hmm. To I, I love that you use the word seem. I see, cause I, that's definitely true. I seem to have work-life balance. Um, definitely there are days where it's, it's just very challenging, but the key word for me is time prioritization. So it's understanding what is most important for me on that day. And I, this is probably a bit too much, but I do a day, week, and month. So for the week, what is the most important thing? For the month, what is the most important thing? And then I allocate my time accordingly. I do this thing. I follow this guy called Ali Abdal, who's a productivity guru. Excellent. He's on YouTube, Instagram, uh, TikTok, everything. He says, build an ideal week. So you have a sheet, instead of writing down what you actually have to do, write down an ideal week. So let's say you go 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. It is just ideation time. And then 9 to 12, it's whatever. 12 to 1, it's jogging. So you create this ideal, ideal sheet. Once you do that, then you have your actual real sheet of what you actually do. And then you see the two next to each other and you say, okay, how can I make my real sheet more into like my ideal sheet? And that to me was quite profound because when I heard about the idea, it didn't really feel, I'm like, yeah, I, I feel like I can do that. But when you actually write it down, li- li- literally write it down either on your phone, your laptop or, or on the paper, it really allows you to start quantifying the hours that it takes to do things. 
And so even if you want to spend time with your kids, you want to spend time with with your, your spouse, do your hobbies, write that down. And once you do do that, I think for me, at least, it allows me to think, okay, I actually realize I spent a lot of time on TikTok. I spent a lot of time um, aimlessly yeah. scrolling, scrolling, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, maybe I could use this time to do something else. Right. And once we start accumulating all of that, for me, at least, it allows me to, to start focusing on things that, you know, it's really important to me. To me, travel is important. Spending time with my family is important. And another secret you can actually see yeah, on the side yeah. here. Yeah. Um, this is what I call the manifestation board. So I break my life up into four parts. We've got career, love, health, and play. And I kind of write down what I want um, out of each each bucket. The it's it's from a book that I read. It's called Designing Your Life. And it starts off not as a manifestation board, but really more as just a meter to gauge. So it's it's not about what you want to achieve, but really where am I right now in my career? Or where, what am I doing now in my love area? Now, love doesn't always have to be romantic. It could be friend, you know, about friendships. It could be about family, siblings. And it's writing these things down. And it's just an assessment tool to see where you are. And oftentimes, at least in people in my career, what I've noticed is their career is super high. Their love is super high. But their health and play is not high. Right. And I think realizing, you know, and having this assessment tools to me is so important. I do this every year. And like even half half yearly, I'll, I'll adjust them and I'll, oh, okay, you know, I need to include more stuff in play or include more stuff in health. And in a way, you have just this really big picture through the year of what is lacking and what you feel like you should kind of add. And again, it's a no judgment assessment thing. If you don't want any play, that's fine. But I think it's just helpful to categorize your life and assess it that way so you can kind of add in or remove from those four quadrants. Right. Well, if I could say one thing, I mean, I've asked many people, several people, I guess, I don't know how many, mm -hmm. many exactly about the work-life balance thing, but you've probably given me the most comprehensive <laughs> reply. And uh, <laughs> so I definitely think you give it, you definitely give it some thought. Do you, in this planning document that you talked about earlier, and then your, your four quadrant um, mm -hmm. map that you have there and stuff, I mean, do you, do you spend time looking backwards at how you've done and grade yourself on like, I planned the week to do this and and you know score yourself and uh, mm. coach yourself or is it usually forward looking or do you really reflect backwards and grade yourself on how well you're doing i'm just curious and yeah i mean that's a great question i've actually been asked that before my perspective is this i think looking back is for me at least it's only helpful to an extent right the reason is uh, this is something actually i i spoke at length at another podcast Planning is very helpful for the process, but the goal is not to stick to the plan. And I think I'll say that again. Mm. When we create a plan, the goal is not to stick to the plan, but the planning process itself is what's helpful. Right. And the reason why I think that's so that's so important for me, I used to be a person who's a stickler to the plan. I would create a plan and I'm like, I have to follow on 100%. But as we know, with the pandemic, things happen, um, you have to be agile. I would almost recommend for everybody to, to pivot very quickly. So have plans, but the process of that planning really allows you to think, okay, what's important for me? Or what should I prioritize? Or 
you know, there are things in my life that I realize I'm doing a lot of, but they don't necessarily add value to my life. And so this is just really more of an exercise for you to categorize and, and organize your thoughts. But the reason why I don't really want to look back as much, like I will a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay. I realize I yeah. spent a lot more time on this. That is really just more of an exercise for me to realize, okay, I think I've been spending more time on, let's say, editing the podcast. I thought it would take me an hour, but really it took me five hours. So it's really more of a recalibration of how long I take to do things. But I I really want to want to you know nail this down to the listeners out there because I get people to me all the time and they say, I make these plans. I never stick to them. I almost feel like planning is, is it brings me no, no value. Sorry. I, I would completely disagree. I'm a huge planner, but again, that's the thing. The goal is not to stick to the plan, but right. really planning is just helpful in categorizing your thoughts, reorganizing your thoughts and understanding what is a priority to you. Yeah. I actually like really agree with you a lot on that. And um, mm-hmm. the, um, you know, I had an experience recently that, the yeah because you're talking about like the the yeah, sticking to the plan is not really important it's the the process of the planning where the inspiration yep. and some of the things come from right but the mm-hmm. I actually I actually have another sort of level on the planning as well where uh, it's easier to give you an example than to try to explain myself but but essentially mm-hmm. the what I tend to do is I I I do the Stephen Covey start with the end in mind right and so. Mm. I had to present the board of directors and uh, some senior level people uh, a plan of of how of of what we were going to look like, right? And so I, mm-hmm. I I envisioned the plan, you know, like eighteen to months to two years from now. And in my mind, I see it clearly, right? And mm-hmm. and and I mapped it out and I drew it in sort of an org chart and flow chart kind of a uh, a progression. But they started asking me about well, like, well, how you plan to get there? And mm. and I'm like, well. I'm not really the guy to make the plan on how you're going to get there. I'm the guy that's going to build it, build you what I'm seeing here now. Like, I don't really care how I get there. I'm going to get there for you. I mean, I don't exactly mm-hmm. know I'm going to hire these people in this town and that city and this, you know, and split this and do this and do that. Right. I mean, for me, the bigger thing is planning the final destination on where I want to get to. And mm-hmm. then I allow my creative energy to focus, I'm going to get there and I'm, you know, kind of like GPS, right? It's constantly recorrecting you and, you know, mm-hmm. it finds out there's, hey, there's traffic on this road. Let's reroute you, right? And I found a four yeah. minutes quicker, right? And mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, the, but I did, I actually, I really, I really like your board and how you've divided it up. I probably need to do more of that, but, <laughs> but also I do find there's, you know, there's power in letting your your own self guide you and as mm-hmm. long as you kind of know where you want to get to right and mm-hmm. uh yeah so that's interesting so so uh just on networking and stuff like that how do you how do you approach building uh professional relationships and stuff because you're obviously want to meet people and you know mm-hmm. uh for young people that want to get ahead i mean do you have any tips or tricks in that area for networking and relationship yeah. mm-hmm. i'll break it into two the first part really is what are you interested in? So I I may be a bit of an anomaly because I always see M in data analytics, but I'm interested in like everything. I want to know people from different fields. So genuinely, I just reach out to, to LinkedIn, people on LinkedIn and LinkedIn is such a great tool. I cannot recommend it enough. People are not using it enough. Use it, use it, reach out to people. Um, but in terms of the second part of actually what to do, 
I think it's understanding what your value is to the person. So for example, I'll give an example of a LinkedIn because I use LinkedIn all the time. Uh, let's say you want to reach out to somebody that you're interested in in a field that, you're, that you like. First of all, come in with the perspective of I'm curious. So instead of it being a conversation of, oh, can you get me a job? Is there an availability in this role? All that stuff. But really, the goal of every conversation is an informational conversation. I want to know everything there is to know about Glenn, about his world, about his books, his passions, everything. If we come in with that curious mindset, the conversations are going to be different. The questions are going to be very different. And the content as well is going to be really different because then my goal is not about, oh, I want to get a job in Glenn's company, but it's, I want to know everything there is to know about Glenn's industry, about Glenn, about the challenges, you know, asking questions instead of, oh, what is, you know, you know, is there an available job, but rather what is your favorite project and why, you know, what is the hardest challenge you've experienced in this job and why? And so I think it's, it's coming with that inquisitive nature. But if I wanted to make it even more concrete with trying to reach out to people, it's an elevator pitch. And I'm, this is your area. So I, I don't know. You know <laughs> no, you go ahead. Listeners, <laughs> listeners should listen to Glenn. Um, <laughs> no, no, but, but for me, at least, it's understanding and tailoring your message to your audience. Right. And it's understanding especially again, like I come from data analytics, but I reach out to people from different fields. So right. if it's just within the same industry, it's it's relatively easy, you know, hey, I'm in data analytics, I'm really interested in your your journey and your story and so-and-so field. Um, do you have 15 to 20 minutes for a chat? But if it's a different field, which I do for my podcast, then it's understanding what is the value that I can bring and what is this, I'm trying to match the supply and, and demand value. So let's say I'm trying to reach out to somebody in design, then I will go, hi, I'm Jacintha. And again, this is in the LinkedIn uh, chat. So it's very short. You only have, yeah. I think, about 300, so 300 words or, or something less than. So it's it's got to be short. It has to be, it ha you have to show your value. You have to show that there is a match of value. But there also has to be an action at the end that is so easy for them to say yes. So I'll go, hi, let's say I'm talking to you. Uh, hi, Glenn, I'm Jacintha. I work in data analytics. However, I'm really interested in the world of design and I can understand that you have your experience in design and you have passion in so-and-so. And I can see that you pivoted from this, this field to this field. Would love to hear more about your journey and your experience. Do you have time for a 15 to 20 minute chat? And the reason why that has helped me so much and has proven successful is number one, you immediately tell them who you are and why you want to talk to them. But number two, when you say, hey, I know that you've pivoted from this field or I'm curious about your journey in this and this field, it shows that you've done a bit of research and it's not yeah. like a copy and pasted message that you send yeah. to everybody. Yeah. And the last part of do you have time for a 15 to 20 minute chat? It is 15 minutes isn't too much. If right. you ask for a two hour chat, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah. 15 minutes, a lot of people can share. Yeah. And once you do get the yes and people come back to you and they say, yes, I'm happy to do that, you should do all the grunt work. So yeah. you send the calendar invite, you ask for their email. It has to be so easy yeah. for that person to say yes. Right. And then obviously from then on, you know, once you have the conversation, yeah. again, be curious. And then from then on, just keep going. And another one, sorry, just one yeah. final one that yeah. I think would be really helpful 
at the end of a chat that you have with somebody, ask them, is there somebody that you think would be great for me to connect with? And this is this is powerful because we're this again, this is your field, Glenn. So I don't want to no, step no, on too much about amazing. this. Awesome. Um, but really, <laughs> when you ask for that, that referral, you have that word of mouth credibility. Right. So if let's say let's say yeah. you, Glenn, you share me and you said, hey, you should reach out to Taylor. And I go to Taylor now and I say, hey, Taylor, by the way, Glenn sent me here. Yeah. I'm really interested in this. Immediately, Taylor's going to think, oh, Jacintha knows Glenn. And therefore, Jacintha is not this random stranger. Um, and if she likes Glenn, then she would, in her mind, already be like, okay, if Glenn likes Jacintha, then probably Jacintha is not that bad of a person. And then from then on, you just keep doing that. And so you're building this network. And yeah, at least that's what I, that's what worked for me. I don't know. That's this amazing. is your area, though. Those so let me awesome know what you think. Nuggets. No. Yeah, I mean, there's so many nuggets in there, but one the part that resonates with me the most was the, you know, when you're sort of talking about asking them questions and being inquisitive, right? And mm. um, <clears throat> I had the opportunity in the last few weeks to meet a really large U.S. Uh, telecom customer. And, you know, being that I'm from Canada, everything's kind of 10 times smaller here, right? So kind of when you mm. go to the U.S., you're a little bit in awe because everything's like so much bigger, right? And mm -hmm. um like I'm in wireless telecom for the most part, you know, and, you know, Bell tell us they have, you know, around 5,000 sites, you know, of cell sites, right? Uh, each, mm -hmm. right? And, but, you know, companies like T-Mobile, Verizon, they have almost 200,000 sites, right? Like wow. the scale is just mind blowing, right? So, but anyways, mm. I got a chance to, I was getting half an hour, I was over Zoom with a, with a telecom and, you know, they wanted to learn more about us and, you know, your instincts a lot of times is to like be all prepared and like, these are all the things we do and have a PowerPoints and slides and whatever. And I, I knew that wasn't the right approach. Right. I knew I had to mm -hmm. be prepared if they asked me to show them something or whatever. But, uh, but uh, all I asked them was, you know, what, what problems are you struggling with today? Right. In your network. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and for 29.99, I barely got a, I barely got a sentence in. I got, I got to ask him right near the very end. So how can we best help you? And he finished off by sort of basically spoon feeding me how to spell to them. Right. And right. it's all about, you know, whereas, you know, you're a lot of times when you're put in a position, you feel like you need to show your, like demonstrate your capability or whatever. And really, yep. you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? And uh, mm. that ratio is very important, right? You should be listening twice as much as you're talking. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and honestly, people love the sound of their own voice, right? So, yep. you know, you ask them questions, you get them going. And, um, you know, that's, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I guess one of my sort of last questions as I wind down is sort of uh, how do you handle stress and uh, stay grounded in your approach and things like that? Yeah. So, oh, what are your God. For that? <laughs> That's a good question for stress. For me, yeah. mindfulness really works. And I know it's like a word that everyone says, Oh, you should be mindful. I actually try to do mindfulness and journaling every day. So I, I've got it right here. I've got my little book, my wow. little journal book. So I write down my stresses and it's literally three to five minutes every single day. I would even make it less if, if you know, if it's too much, but it's impossible to not have five minutes every single day. So what I do, I use Headspace, which is a really great app. Wow. I, I use it for my guided uh, mindfulness session. And then I do journaling 
um, either in the morning or at night. At night, it's helpful because then I just kind of write down all my stresses and it's helpful because then once I write it down, I'm like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. Um, so those are the two things. In terms of staying humble, I really love this thing that I just read. It's by Adam Grant. He's a, an organizational psychologist. I'm reading his book called, I think, Think Again or Rethinking. He says, be confident and humble. So what does that mean? Be confident and humble. Being confident in your abilities to learn. You are confident that you are curious and you're confident that you can learn more. But you're humble because you know that you don't have all the tools yet to solve all the problems. For example, some tools out there like quite could quite literally be AI tools, right? But it could also be tools in networking. I don't have all the network to answer this problem right now. Or I don't have the, you know, the latest technology tools that I have to answer these things. Or I don't have the knowledge yet. These are all tools to help me solve a problem, right? So I think it's really interesting. I, I'm, you know, I'm sure you're the same, but we meet a lot of really arrogant people, I would say. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, they have a deflated version yeah. of reality and their yeah. capabilities. They lack humility. I think, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I think a huge distinction between confidence yeah. and arrogance is someone's willingness to learn. And that comes yeah. into that, yeah. that word of being confident and humble. So I try to be confident in my ability to learn constantly, but I'm also humble because I know I don't have all the tools to solve all the problems right now. Yeah. I hope that answers um, your question. It does. Yeah. But I have to compliment you. I mean, you're, every question I've answered, you have such a, a thorough answer for it's really, <laughs> it's really rewarding asking you these questions because Thank you. clearly you've get, you know, you, you definitely walk the walk and talk the talk at the same time. Right. So, Thank you. Um, so the one, the one sort of last question I want to ask you before we wrap up is like, I know you're kind of knocking it out of the park. You know, I've seen you travel all over oh. the world and, you know, you've got it. You, you flew across the world to get an MBA, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, you're you're working, building a career or whatever. But, you know, do you, what what sort of advice do you have for people in your, you know, in your age range getting started and or, you know, maybe a few years before you just what kind mm -hmm. of advice do you want to pass on? or little golden mm. tip or lesson that you've learned and you just like to share and leave behind with people? Ooh, Tough, eh? <laughs> that's, that's a hard one. Um, I personally really like this one, which I think I might've mentioned before, which is just do it. I right. know I sound like a Nike yeah. commercial, but yeah. really just do it. Most, most often we are stumbled by our own head. We have our thoughts and we're like, oh, I don't think I can do it, but they're all really good. I don't have all the skills. I don't have, just do it. Right. And huge part, which is, you know, in, in school, we are taught to only do things uh, and, and we're graded when we we have an exam, we've learned everything and that's how we learn. Right. I think we're, we're doing it backwards. You know, we learn by action. Like I learned so much from the podcast. It's like a, you know, MBA 2.0 almost. Yeah. Um, and I learned so much in my MBA by doing stuff, meeting people, talking to people. That's how I learned how to network. So just go do it. Um, if there's something that you want to do, I think the worst case scenario is maybe you're not performing the best at that stuff, but I always live my life with, I don't want to regret not doing something. So I'll just do it. Um, and most often, even if I fail, quote unquote, I learn from that experience. So almost I never lose from trying something new. So I would encourage everybody to go out, just do it and 
yeah, connect, expose yourself to as much as you can, meet more people. The more I travel, the more I learn that there's so much talent and gift and intelligence out there. So go out, talk, meet new people and and just do it. Yeah, that's awesome. I, um, yeah, if I can even add on to that, I mean, because people have often, you know, asked me about starting my businesses and I've had a few failures, which I, I think I shared some of that with you and to start mm-hmm. over things like that. And like, 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 how do you, how do you do that? And things like that. And it is just do it. But the thing I always like to share with people is that like the fear, you know, on, in advance, unless you want to become an entrepreneur, you want to quit your nine to five and, you know, the fear leading up to it is it's a, it's a different, it, that fear only exists up until the point where you take that step, right? So all you really mm. need to do is have that, have that um, fortitude to take that final step. And then a new fear kicks in, right? And that's yeah. the fear of starving, the fear of failing. And I mean, it's different than the fear of starting, right? Like, cause mm. I, you know, cause when you're, before you do it, it's like, well, what if I, you know, you're scared of like, what if I fail or what if I don't, you know, but when, once you get started, you know, <clears throat> your survival instinct kicks in and gives you half of the qu- answers or more, way more than half, but of the, of the answers and solutions that you need so you can be successful. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's, you know, the only people that fail really are the people that fail to start. Right. And so right. I totally agree. With you. you just got to get started and, and do it. So. All right. So um, where can people learn more about you and if they so inclined to apply to be on your podcast and or to just to network with you and uh, learn more about you? So, Of course. So people can reach out to me on my Instagram or LinkedIn. It's at Jacintha Kurniawan. Um, it's Jacintha, J-A-C-A-N-T-H-A, Kurniawan. You can find it. Uh, you know, <laughs> my, my spelling is in the podcast. It'll be on sure. the show notes for sure. Yeah. It'll be yeah. in the show notes, um, yeah. Instagram or LinkedIn. Yeah. I post information all the time. So feel free to connect with me there and happy to have a chat. Okay. That's great. Well, I want to thank you for being on the Profit Powerhouse today. It was a pleasure talking to you and hope to see you again soon. Thanks, Jacinta. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you for tuning in to another insightful episode of the Profit Powerhouse podcast. Your support and engagement means the world to us. If you're brimming with expertise and eager to join us, navigate to my website at glenpoolis.com forward slash podcast and go to the Be A Guest section connect with us. Don't keep this information to yourself. Please share this podcast on your favorite social media platforms to empower your network with the strategies and wisdom you've gained. Your feedback fuels our growth. Please take a moment to rate and review the Profit Powerhouse podcast wherever you listen. Your input helps us to continually refine our content to serve you better. Remember, our mission is your success. We've committed to providing you with the tools and insights to drive your business forward, and we're excited to have you on this journey with us. To stay up to date on the latest episodes, hit the subscribe button and let's stay connected. Reach out to me on social media and continue the conversation and stay inspired. For resources and information, visit my website at glenpoolis.com. And before we sign off, remember, I'm Glenn Poulos and reminding you that your potential as a business leader is limitless. Thank you for being a part of this podcast where your success story begins.